and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. My name is Craig Booker. The title of this episode is The Anatomy of Worry. The material in this episode is inspired by Winning the War on Worry by Louis Giglio. Note, I will talk a lot about mental health, but please note this is not a substitute for therapy or mental health care. I am not a counselor or physician. If you need help with mental health challenges, please find a qualified mental health professional. The title of this episode is The Anatomy of Worry. In last week's episode, we talked about worry is a liar. And we also talked about uh, Welcome to a New Way of Life, which was kind of the introduction to the book. We also talked about the four lies of worry. Uh, This week, we're kind of picking up from there. Louis opens this chapter with a story about a time when him and his wife attended a NASCAR race. And they were invited because they, I guess his church uh, like owns a record label and they have several artists that were going to NASCAR, I think, and, and singing there or, or maybe performing the national anthem or something like that. So they got invited to come along. And while they were there, they had the opportunity to ride in one of the pace cars. And so a pace car, if you're not familiar with it, kind of goes around the track ahead of all the drivers when they're first starting to kind of get them like to a certain speed. And I think to prevent some crashes early on, like in the first lap or so. And so they had this opportunity to ride in a pace car. Of course, it was before way before the race was ever going to start, but they were going to ride in this pace car just as a fun experience. Uh, a veteran NASCAR driver that had been driving for 20 years was was driving them around the track at well over 100 miles an hour. Uh, Louis just talking in detail about how he was freaking out because they were going over 100 miles an hour, often like a few inches from the wall. Uh, you know, the the curves are are really, I guess, steep angles. And so he was just talking about how he was freaking out over the experience initially. And so after, you know, he kind of, I guess, was in the experience a little bit, he realized that this driver had been doing this for years. And so this driver driving at 100 or so miles per hour was not a big deal to him. He drives probably at at quite a bit faster speeds on a regular basis, you know, next to all kinds of cars that are inches from each car. And so this was not a big deal for this driver to be driving this fast. Um, it, basically, he was saying this guy's an expert uh, and I should trust him. And so after after he realized makes this realization that this guy is a pro and that he can trust him, he just kind of lets all those feelings kind of fade down. And he says it was still exciting. It was still, you know, he was still trying to reach for the brake uh, to kind of slow himself down, even though he couldn't. Uh, but he, he said they ended up, you know, finishing the experience and getting out of the car and kind of laughing and talking about how thrilling it was uh, to go through this experience. He he mentions that they could enjoy the experience because they weren't the, the person in control driving. The NASCAR driver was this expert. And then he kind of, you know, transitions to talking about Like if you're feeling like weighed down by feelings of worry, it's most likely because you're trying to control something or someone that you weren't designed to control. Uh, And he goes on to say this is how or this is the way worry works. It begins with a logical thought 
that we should be concerned about a certain whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, we think that it's up to us to be prepared for whatever might come our way. I mean, that's that's our logic when we're thinking through these things. Well, it's reasonable to be concerned about this situation. It's reasonable to be prepared or uh, but a lot of times we take it a little too far. And that's where we get into worry. This is the introduction to the chapter. He then goes into talking about how he's discovered over the years that there are usually five major themes of worry. And he said one of these is a dangerous outcome. Uh, number two would be a threatening confrontation. Three would be some sort of shortage of resources. Uh, four would be our ability. And five was a, like a global disaster. And so we'll go into these a little bit in detail to give some give some context and maybe an example. So if we're looking at a dangerous outcome, you know, we may worry about a cancer diagnosis, maybe for a friend or family member. Uh, maybe they get a, a test done and they're unsure about the results and they're going to see the doctor. And so we're we're worried about that situation. Uh, we may worry about a friend who is traveling and we kind of worry about them having an accident or, or getting into some kind of accident. Um, another area is, you know, we, as kids, we may worry about our, our parents getting a divorce. Um, so that's what a dangerous outcome is, how he describes it. So then the next one is a threatening confrontation. And maybe you've you've been in something similar to this. Uh, maybe you need to talk to your boss about a situation and you worry about getting into argument with your boss. Uh, it could be that you worry about a conversation with your parents turning uh, uh, confrontational, like getting aggressive and heated. Um, the third area is a, a shortage of resources. And I, you know, for me, this I really relate to this. Maybe you worried about losing your job, not having enough, being able to provide for your family. Uh, you could be concerned about running out of time on a project, maybe at work. The next one is you, know, you worry about our own ability, um, such as will I make the cut? Uh, do they like me? Uh, do I do good enough? Maybe it's on a project at work. Maybe it's participating in a softball team and you're just worried that you're not going to be good enough for the team or they're not going to be happy with you. Uh, the last area is a global disaster, and I think pretty much the whole world can relate to this one uh, because of recent events. And it, you know, you may be thinking, will there be another pandemic? Uh, so we can really relate to that. We know that situation really well. Um, we may worry about going to war, uh, or will there be another, you know, economic crisis? So these are these five typical areas that he that he sees as major themes of worry. And so he tells this story about uh, when he was a kid uh, that in school they were going to dissect a worm and um, probably in a biology class or or similar class. And he was really nervous about dissecting this worm. And so after this story, he he goes into transitions to how we can dissect our own worry and actually put it on the 
on the table and really open it up and see what it's all about. A story that he goes into is, you know, if we look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and they believed the lies of the enemy, which encapsulated questions like, is God good? Can he be trusted? Uh, Louis goes on to say, when they held the fruit in their hands, they wanted to control their fate. They wanted to make sure that they were in charge, or at least they had as much authority and ability as the God who had formed them and given them purpose. Then he goes on to say, it turned out God wasn't trying to keep anything from them with his command. In fact, God was seeking to protect their peaceful state. So what they perceived as God trying to control and keep things from them actually was for their own good. Uh, Louis goes on to say, it's one thing to try to make someone doubt God's goodness in the midst of the pain and death we face on a broken planet. But how do you get someone who lives in paradise to fall for a lie? So there's just this idea that Adam and Eve were in the best situation possible. This is how God designed it, was the garden where he had a relationship with them. You know, there, there's basically one rule, which was not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was it. That was symbolic in many ways. And they wanted control of their situation. He, he goes on to say, it says, so you should be convinced that he says he'll, he's speaking of the enemy. He'll be bold enough to come after you. So if he came after Adam and Eve in the perfect situation in the garden, he's going to come after us. And he goes on to talk about his plan, the enemy's plan. He says his plan will be involve a two-pronged attack. So first, he'll attempt to get you to doubt God's character and motives. Uh, second, he'll try to convince you that life will be better when you are in control. So if we look at the first lie that God about God's character and motives, um, and we ask the question, how do we fight the enemy when he tries to get us to doubt God's character? Uh, so Louis says, when we look back at the cross, we see that there's no doubting the fact that God is good and that he can be trusted. It says John 15, 13 in the New Living Translation, it says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So. Prime example of when we're struggling to trust God's character and motives is look to the cross. Look to he he didn't have to do that whatsoever. Um, we as humans screwed things up and God made a way and left heaven, uh, sent Jesus to us. Jesus left heaven to come here to earth to die on our behalf so that we could have a way to have a relationship with him. And so when we're doubting God's motives in our life and our personal situations, when it gets rough, we, we need to look back at the cross and take an honest look back at what Jesus did for us. And that will be our kind of our, our guiding um, event that can really recenter us. The second lie is life will be better when you're in control. 
and Louis again points us back to the cross. Uh, he says, sin brought death, and when we lived under the banner of death, we felt compelled to try to control every outcome, because if we didn't, who would? One or Our need for control was rooted in a fear or in fear, and it fueled our anxiety. Romans 8.15. Uh, I think he's just saying that's what he's referencing there. It wasn't like a direct quote. Uh, it says, we were fed the lie that we could become masters of our own fate. All the while, our end destination was determined death. Uh, Louis goes on to say, think of it this way. We are trying to control life that inevitably ends in death. Yet God has stepped into the story with stunning grace and upended the power of this upended the power of dead. Maybe it's supposed to be death. So uh, and again, that's referencing First Corinthians 15, 26 through 28. It says it was his plan from the beginning of time. Acts 4, 26 through 28. Uh, Jesus's resurrection put the brakes on our need for control because he can fully or we can fully trust that the one who overcame death, hell and the grave loves us and gives us his victorious life to us through Jesus Christ. He promised to care for us, guide us, protect us. Then he says one of the most sobering descriptions of the victory of Jesus is found in Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. He uh, says here we read that surely Jesus took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. He says, Jesus can carry what is worrying, worrying you because he has already carried what was meant to kill you. So if the heart of worry is a desire for control, how do you change? And he says, you find peace by surrendering your need for control to the one who is actually in control. So, you know, when we go through life and we experience rough times, um, we experience loss. Maybe that's the loss of an opportunity, a relationship. Maybe that's the loss of a loved one that passes away. Um, we go through several experiences like this where we experience loss or um, some other things in our life. And that leaves us trying to grasp for control. Uh, it's it's kind of like getting hit by several punches uh, in a boxing match, and we're just trying to grasp at the ropes to try to pull ourselves back up, except we tend to go a little bit further than that a lot of times. All right, so it says, Scripture says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalms 90 verses 2. In Isaiah 46, God's word reminds us of just how in control God is. It says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no or there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. 
I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Then Louis goes on to say, surrender your need to be in charge. Trust that his heart for you is good. Place in his hand whatever is causing you to worry right now. Believe God is good at being in control. He also says there is a benefit to being concerned or preparing for something, but the answer lies in separating concern or preparation from worry. Because as we'll find out in the next chapter, they are two very different things. So he, he goes into saying, you know, isn't there any value into being in control in some sort? And he talks about like planning and preparation. And certainly there is value in being prepared and having a plan. Um, but typically, like when we get to the stage of worry, we've taken that way further than preparation and planning. Uh, we are worrying about things that we can't change, that we can have no impact on, um, that are out of our control. And so making a plan is one thing. It's it's godly. Uh, it, it is biblical, but you know it's taking that a little further. Uh, he shares a prayer here, and uh, he says, Father, I surrender my need to con for control to you. I humble myself under your kind and righteous hand, believing and trusting that you are able to work all things out in ways that glorify you and that bring me the fruit of the Spirit. I release my heavy burden of needing to be in charge, and I take the freedom your Son accomplished for me. Amen. Discussion question number one was, what are you trying to control right now? What do you need to relinquish to God? Number two, write out what is currently worrying you. Then write out a corresponding truth about the character of God for each concern. How can you frequently remind yourself of these truths of God's character? Number three. When you think about the cross of Jesus, what comes to your mind or stirs in your heart? And four, read Isaiah 46 and write out four truths about the nature and character of God. That's all for this episode. If you would like to receive updates about future episodes of Overflow, head over to overflow.community slash subscribe. Remember, no one should face anxiety or depression alone. Join a growing community learning about brain health and following Jesus. For more information, head over to overflow.community/connect.